Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Hello and welcome to Bees Radio Network, podcast episode number 18. That's right, we have made it to our 18th episode of this little podcast. And it's almost Christmas as well. This is our last podcast before Christmas. Of course, next week will be the big day. And are you ready for the big day? We've got an ice hockey game, though, between now and then, which is, of course, this Sunday. But it's podcast time now. And Graham Bell, he's not well. A little bit of poetry in the uh, podcast there. He will hopefully be resting up his voice and back with us on Sunday for the uh, game, which we'll get to in a few moments. Joining us on the podcast, though, today is Richard Brown. Hello, Richard. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Are you uh, are you looking forward to your podcast debut? I'm looking forward to uh, my first time as uh, on the uh, on the podcast. Well, you've done the commentary before, haven't you? I, I've done one uh, one bees game before. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, looking forward to this one. Richard Brown, for those of you that don't know, is of course our cameraman on uh, Bees TV. So uh, yeah, your Bees TV highlights are filmed for you by Richard Brown. How are you enjoying Bees TV? It took a bit of getting used to um, at the start, but. Um no, I am actually really enjoying it. And uh, it's good that over the last few weeks, there's been some really competitive games to film, um, some really close games, uh, real end-to-end hockey. So it's, it's been a good experience. Good, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I know that the uh, the Beast TV is, of course, well enjoyed by the supporters as well at The Hive. Now, here we are coming up towards the final game before Christmas. It's a busy weekend for the Bees, this one. Uh, with the uh, the Phantoms on Saturday, that's a 7 o'clock face-off, and then a 5.30 face-off on Sunday when the Wildcats are at the Hive. Last weekend, though, slightly dented the momentum that we gained, didn't it? Because we had some good results, some good wins, but then last weekend just slightly dented that, didn't it? A tough trip to, uh, of course, Telford, who are the league leaders at the moment, with a nice, comfortable cushion up there as well. Uh, and then, of course, on Sunday, the uh, the trip to Hull, we did beat the Pirates in Bracknell, but it's a tough trip, you know, long away weekend. For a lot of the players, it's their first experience of an away weekend as well. It was a tough one, wasn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, it's not um, often that the players nowadays would experience um, the, the days of a long road trip, and certainly an away weekend. Um, two tough teams uh, to play against in their own rinks. Um, as you said, Telford league leaders at the moment, um, always a tough rink to go and, uh, and play in. Um, and obviously then a, a longer trip up to Hull on the Sunday. Um, I'm sure obviously everyone will be disappointed that, uh, they didn't come away with any points over the week. Um, but as we said, you know, we've been building on momentum over the last few weeks and, uh, and hopefully we can get that back this weekend. We do still have uh, this weekend, of course, before the uh, the Christmas turnaround. But you know, like you've you've been away from the sport for a little while, mm-hmm. and you've uh, you've come back, and uh, you know you've seen quite a few games. Now you've obviously filmed quite a few games. What do you think, Richard, of the uh, the season so far? I think as the season has gone on, it's most definitely improved. Um, the the team really now are playing together as one unit, playing for the win, playing hard. And we are really seeing the passion and the energy that's coming from the team now. Um, You can see how much it means to them when they get a win at home. Um, They've been behind early on in a few games over the last few weeks. They've brought it back and you can see on their faces at the end of the game that they've given everything to get those two points for the Bees fans. And and that's what this is all about, isn't it? Is, is getting those two points, getting the momentum, getting the crowd going, 
that's what's important. Yeah, I mean, indeed, you know, you every team will set out looking to win their home games. Certainly, you'd want to win as many of your home games as possible and then carry that on and win as many of your road games as possible. There was that horrendous slump. We can't, you know, forget the horrendous slump. But yeah. I think the character the team have shown since then to come through that that horrendous slump where they couldn't buy a win. I mean, wins yeah. were just impossible to come by. But to come through that as well, and I think, you know, Doug has to take a fair share of the credit here. He's made the changes where they were needed and he's brought in additional players. And that is now a well-gelled unit that I think is just going to get better and better and better as they play together. There, there seems to be some of the most free-scoring lines in the league now, I would say. Um, the line, um, Dominic Gabay coming in has, has really lit up He's lit up the league, hasn't he, really? Look at the points that he's produced in his first... Well, he's got 19 points from seven games so far. Mm. I mean, that's that's a huge that's a huge uh, turn in from Dominic Gabay. It's, it's not just Gabay, though. It, it's the players around him that he's inspired are, are playing so much better with him. He, he's really created that spark, hasn't he? Um, and that line is that line's potent. That line is dangerous. Mm. Um, against any team in the league, I'd say that line will run right throughout the rest of the season. And it's, it's been a really, really good combination to see. Not just that line, but every other line that's playing is, is playing together and, and really has started to fall into place now. Even the third line, a, a, more of a, a sort of grind line, checking line, is really playing well and, and agitating other teams. But they're, they're putting up points as well. You're having three lines putting up points. Yeah, I mean, like there is no easy shift for the uh, the opposite the opposing coach to match up his lines with. You can't say, "Oh, well, we'll just hold out against Malinik. We'll just hold out against Goodbye because then we'll get this like you know lesser line." No, they're putting up points too, and I think it is becoming a very very good team. Mm-hmm. I think it's becoming a team that they're still learning how to play together. Bear in mind, a lot of the guys yep. are still young, still. You know, first couple of seasons out of junior hockey, step into senior hockey where you've got people that have been playing senior hockey for for 10 plus years. Um, And you can see that they're learning, but you can see that they're wanting to develop. They're wanting to go out and win. They're wanting to play as a team. You spoke about it on the podcast a few weeks ago that guys are, are playing for each other, not as individuals. They want to get the win. They want to set up each other to score. Mm. And that's that's what a team sport and that team mentality. When you talk about gelling, that's what it's all about, is feeding your teammates to score. It's been an interesting first half of the season, I think. You know, there was great promise at the start and then kind of things went a little bit wrong, starting with that horrendous game against Basingstoke that we won't really mention. But that kind of started off just a little slump, didn't it? And... You know, fair play to Doug. Doug remained loyal to his players and he kept the squad together. But it then became obvious that a change was needed. And he's acted. He's acted. He's brought in Dominic Gabay. He's released Robin Kovar. Now, Robin Kovar's points tally wasn't bad, but it was just points that were easy points. That's the unfortunate thing. Whereas Dominic Gabay is getting in there and scoring the big points. And I think, you know... That has been a massive change is that Dominic Gabay is scoring the big points in the big games and he's just under three points a game. I think people were perhaps worried about Robin Kovar when, when he left that, you know, at this point in the season, we wouldn't be able to bring in an import that would score as freely 
um, as Dominic is doing. You know, Robin's putting up good points in Milton Keynes as well, bear in mind. So maybe it was just that the the team dynamics wasn't fitting. And, and Shep has brought in a player who has just ignited a spark. And, and in a league with two imports, you need to rely heavily on your imports to provide that spark and provide that injection of passion for the rest of the players. Robin, unfortunately, couldn't seem to do that in Bracknell. Dominic has come in and really has turned the fortunes of, of the team around. And the, the last couple of uh, games over the weekends, uh, you know, apart from those two games, we've been, even when we've been behind, we've been in every game throughout. Yeah. And it's only right at the end, perhaps, that it slipped away. Mm. And those are mistakes as a young team, you will learn and you will get better and you will learn to correct those mistakes. We, we mustn't forget that this is still a very, very young team uh, and a team that's heavily reliant on the local junior setup to bring these players forward. They've got an experienced coach under Doug and they've got experienced players around there that are stepping up. James Galazzi being one of them. And, you know, probably when we talk about the differences that I've seen in the years that I've not been involved with the sport, yeah. James Galazzi is probably one of those players that I would mention is a completely different player. Well, he's playing a completely different role now, though, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Um, I remember discussing this with Graham a few weeks ago. If you think of Michael Wells, who we both know well from our time in Slough, who was a one-dimensional player Mm -hmm. in Milton Keynes. And when he came to Slough, and then when he moved to Basingstoke, he showed that he was not a one-dimensional player. And we're seeing that with James as well. James has played a very narrowly defined role I think for the bees for a long time but under Doug Shepherd he's given more freedom to go out and actually show what he can do and he's doing it well James is fully deserving of the aeon that he's wearing on his sweater I think um it shows that he's got the leadership qualities and you're right he's not the one dimensional agitating hockey player James will drop the gloves if he needs to do so but right now he's got a different role to fill and that's as a center on the third line that he's playing on He's playing with two other guys around him that are learning from him and his experience. And he's really fitted into that role well. And and under Shep, he's got that different direction where I think he's proven himself like Michael Wales did when he came to Slough. And everyone was a little bit worried about when Michael Wales came to Slough that he was a, a you know an agitator that was no better than the third line. Michael Wales as captain was an inspirational captain. Yeah. And I think James Galazzi has got that same level of inspiration. He's a fan's favourite. He's not afraid to go out there, play hard, play the body. But he's scoring some, he's scoring some good goals at the moment, mm-hmm. isn't he? Yeah, he is. You spoke of uh, captains there. Let's talk about uh, Stuart Mogg, who took over the captaincy in the summer. First season captain for Stuart. Now, you know, if you know Stuart, He's not a loud, in-your-face guy, but he leads that team well, though, doesn't he? He leads it well by example. His work rate and his performance, he leads it well. He's never going to be someone that's going to be heard on the, you know, the far side of the rink, bellowing from the bench, but he does do a good job as captain, doesn't he? He's a disciplined player. He's a good, solid defenseman, and he's got the level of discipline in a defence that is still a very, very young defence. Think of all the... D-men, the defence is still quite young and still quite inexperienced. Stuart himself is not an old guy. He's not got 10, 15 years of experience behind him. 
but what he has got and what he's learned is that leadership quality. Yeah. And you, again, you can see that along with Joe Baird, who is another, you know, hugely experienced defenseman, mm-hmm. they're trying to lead and, and trying to teach the younger guys to be the standout defenseman of this league going forwards. Well, yeah. I mean, like you look at Joe Baird, and I mean no disrespect to Joe Baird. He's been around for a long time. He has. Joe Baird will be at the back end of his career now, but he's going out there. He's putting in the hard minutes. He's putting in the effort, and he is setting the example for the younger players, you know, like by saying, look, I am this much older than you. I'm still keeping myself in good shape. I'm still playing the hard minutes. I'm still playing well. And this is what you have to do if you want to succeed. Joe Bear's also having to learn a different form of hockey in the later years of his career as well. Joe Bear would come from an era where zero tolerance wasn't around. Yeah. Where playing the stick, you know, the hooking and, and mm. um, you know, tying your man up was part of the game. It now isn't part of the game. Yeah. Joe Baird, as he's got older and as he's gone towards the twilight years of his career, has had to relearn the game. That's not an easy thing to do either. No, I mean, it shows his versatility, doesn't it? It does. If Joe Baird, the player of 2019-20, was exactly the same as Joe Baird, the player of 2009-10, then he would be absolutely useless. Mm -hmm. But in that time, he has modernised with the game, he's moved on, and he has brought his game up to 2019 standard, and he still plays a very valuable role for the bees. And he still plays a very physical role for the bees yeah. as well. Um, you know, there's if there's one guy that you'd want out there defending your net mm. when when you've got players in and around the front of your goalie, it's Joe Baird because he will clear the net. He will clear the crease away. Yeah. Now we just spoke about the change in Joe Baird. Just going slightly off topic here okay. a little bit. 2009-10 was a much rougher game wasn't it was it? yeah it was a much rougher game do you think it's for the good or for the bad that a lot of that has been taken out the game now it's a very difficult question to answer um i always liked i mean i i started watching hockey even before that i started watching in the bnl era so the late 1990s yeah where you had and you'll remember this style well and, and enjoyed this style of, of big north american players who were never afraid to play the body and it was a physical game and you mm. could feel every hit and slow and over, over time, slowly and slowly that has been ebbed out of the game and there are still elements of physicality, but now there, there's much more emphasis on, on the skating as opposed to, to playing the body. Isn't there? Yeah. And we, we've seen players over the years that have been one dimensional players only played the physical game that have lost their places in the team because they can't play that level of game now that is required. Um, <sighs> sport is always modernising, though, isn't it? Every sport modernises. Football is not the same as it was 20 years ago. No. Cricket isn't. Every sport modernises. And as a sportsman, you either modernise or retire. I think you have to learn to adapt and learn to grow with the game as the game is being played. Um, every sport now is harder, it's faster, it's quicker. There's a lot of emphasis now on the science behind developing athletes. Mm. Um, whether you are semi-professional or this is your full-time career, the the strength and conditioning that you're now expected yeah. to go through um, and the fitness levels that you're required to attain to be able to play at that level are evolving all the time. And I think we are seeing 
players becoming faster now. Yeah. Um, playing faster, harder shots. Um, and that's, that's great to see. I've got to be honest, I do miss the physical part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that every game should be an out-and-out brawl, but I do miss the physical presence that some players brought into the league. And that was the spark that used to get the team going, wasn't it? If you were two, three goals down early in the first period, yeah. it wouldn't even need to take a fight. Just one big hit, one open ice hit, one hit into the boards that rattled all around the rink. That would change the dynamics of the crowd and it would change the dynamics of the team on the ice. And I think fans have struggled to get used to that over the years where it, it is less physical now. I mean, you know, you are a qualified sports scientist. There's no point in hiding that. But, um, you know, like you say, the strength and conditioning, like let's take football or let's take cricket. Both of these have academy teams where you will hook up with a professional club and you'll go through their academy and you will get the benefit of the nutritional information. You will get the benefit of knowing how to work out and knowing how to train to become better for your sport. Ice hockey is a minority sport. It's still a little bit left out of that. Mm. And these guys are basically learning it from the more experienced players, yeah. like say from Malinik and Gabay, yeah. from Doug Shepard, who's had an outstanding career as a player before turning to coaching. That These guys are having to learn it kind of within their own sport, aren't they? In professional sport, you know, football, uh, cricket, rugby, you will have various types of coaches, not just positional coaches, but you will have a strength and conditioning coach. You will have a physiotherapist, a nutritionist. Um, You'll have an endurance coach. You'll have a sprint coach. You'll have every different type of coach that will mould you into the type of player that you need to be. In ice hockey, as you said, a lot of the time you have the older and more experienced players, you have a coach, and then you have the gym. Mm. And that's, that's all the tools that you have. You don't have the benefit so much of technology as well. The analysts in professional sport that will analyze your, um, you know, your distances, your speed, speed of your shot, you don't have that in ice hockey. Yeah. Um, certainly not in the NHL. Mm. Um, and probably not even in the elite league either. Will you have it at that level that you can really drill down into every part of your performance? So these guys are, are learning, learning the job as they go. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing to do. Now, a couple of uh, young players, as we're talking about learning the job, a couple of young players who've come in this season, Luke Jackson in defence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's put together a few. I mean, over the last couple of weeks, he's put together a few brilliant performances, hasn't he? And the other one, of course, is uh, Josh Ely Newman, who's yeah. signed up full-time as well for the Bees midway through this season. Both of them have come into a semi-professional sport, um, second-tier ice hockey in the UK, and they're looking good, aren't they? They are. I mean, Jackson's goal the other week, by the way, from the blue oh, line. Yeah. What you a, really what a screamer. You a shot like that, do you, anymore? No. What a, what a screamer of a goal that was. And I think... Something like that gave him the confidence. The, the confidence flowed then throughout the game. Yeah, It's very difficult as a young sportsman um, if you do make a mistake. And, and you know, a lot of these players have and, and will continue to make mistakes. Well, we all do. What, absolutely. What is, what is difficult is picking your head back up after that mistake. Um, and you just saw the confidence from Luke Jackson um, throughout the rest of that game. Then. He got an early goal and then he was a solid defenseman um and and Ely Newman as well I, again 
he's just got bundles of energy, hasn't he? he he's come in and, you know, his speed, his fitness, he's run rings around people and, and he's really adjusted well to the line that he's playing on as yeah. well. And, and as I said earlier, the guys have, have really seemed to get over the, the kind of initial difficulty of, um, you know, trying to work out where your line mate is, what, what your line mate likes you to be, where he likes you to be yeah. on the ice. They're looking like they've played together all year. I mean, this was obviously Zach Milton last year who was signed up by Doug last year full time. This was the progress that he made so much so he'll be off with GB shortly as yeah. well. So that'll be a big loss while he's away. Absolutely. And a big loss. gap to fill. But it's a challenge for somebody to step up and fill those Zach Milton minutes. And, and, and going back to, you know, where Zach will be going, Zach is one of those players then that needs to be developed into a future GB player. Yeah. Um, you know, this is his opportunity while he's still learning and grafting out the game to be able to really make a good impression in the GB under 20s and continue to make a good impression in the IHL. And then hopefully, years to come, we can see him icing the GB shirt because well, the, the, the GB full national team, the depth needs to come from across leagues. Yeah. It can't just come from the elite league. It's gotta, you've got to have a stepping stone, haven't you? Well, you have, um, you know, now obviously with the demise of the EPL, the stepping stone between the tier two and tier one became that little bit bigger. But I think that we are seeing NIHL one or NIHL national rather plug that gap a bit more. I mean, obviously you weren't watching ice hockey last season, no. but I think it's fair to say there was a very large gap between NIHL one and NIHL uh, and EIHL. This year, I think that gap is just that little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing a much better standard of hockey this year than we have done for the past couple of seasons with the NIHL one, which I think, with all due respect, was very much a, uh, a stopgap situation. Look, I think it, there needs to be the close stepping stones between leagues. Yeah, um, People need to be able to go up and, and try and play the elite league and not just bench warm as a British player. You know, you want to be getting minutes. Take Kieran Long, for instance, who... Well, he's done fantastically, you know, hasn't we he? We knew at, at Slough, at Basingstoke, um, you know, he has... He's leapt up, you know, and, and there is a gap, of course. Yeah. But the adjustment he's made, he set that league on fire. He's become one of the most consistent, high-scoring British players that's out there. And, and yet strangely overlooked for GB. Very strangely and unfortunately overlooked for GB um, because, you know, he's put up huge amounts of points. He's won awards um, throughout his, his, his tenure in the Elite League and he's proven to be a very consistent and popular British player. And he came from the EPL days and I think NIHL National needs to be producing the guys that's, that are saying, I want to try this full-time. I want to see if I can make the step up and make this my full-time professional career. Yeah. Because as a, as a young budding sportsman, all you want to do is play the sport professionally. That's, what, that's your dream, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think every kid wants to play for their country, don't they? If we're yeah. honest, you want to play for your country, whether it's football, rugby, cricket, ice hockey, if that is your sport, you want to represent your country. I mean, I know as a young kid, I wanted to play cricket for England. Yeah, I never have yeah. and I never will. 
but I wanted to. And I think every young kid who gets into a sport, tennis, bowls, anything, you want to go as far as you can in that sport, don't you? you? Do. And I think one thing that Doug has done very well is Doug has got certainly Edward Nags mm-hmm. and Zach Milton just off the top of my head. They've had elite league experience through, like, you know, through Doug yeah. putting them forward for this. And, you know, they've done very well. They've represented themselves very well. Yes, it's just been the occasional appearance. But this is like a stepping stone for them to say, right, okay, this is the standard I need to get to if I want to get up there and actually want to make a go of the Elite League. Because rightly or or wrongly, Ice Hockey UK are going to look to the Elite League first for Team GB. Of course. Team GB is quite well settled at the moment. But at some point in time, players are going to say, oh, do you know what? I'm just a little bit old for this now. Mm -hmm. And they're going to retire. Ice Hockey UK will rightly or wrongly look firstly to the Elite League. So really, I guess if you want the best opportunity to go on and represent your country and play national team sport, you need to be looking to move yourself up to the Elite League. But we've seen in the past players, certainly from the EPL, being selected for Team GB. It's doable. And you have to remember where Team GB are. Team GB at the moment are in the top division of, of ice hockey in the world. In the world. In the world. In I, the I thought world. you might say that. Yes. And that is a, that's a fantastic achievement for a country, let's be honest, doesn't take ice hockey very seriously. No. Um, we're in the very, mix. Very, very minority. We're in the mix with, with, with Canada, with USA, um, with but Russia. in Canada, though, it's the national sport, yeah. isn't it? It's the national sport, whereas here, if you ask a lot of people, oh, is it even played in this country? So, a lot of people on the street you pass wouldn't even know it. So therefore, you're picking from a very small talent pool that happened to know about ice hockey and start training at a very young age. Yeah. You know, like you need to live near an ice rink. You need to know about ice hockey to go and get into it. Yeah, We're picking, therefore, by the time these kids go through the junior system, through the senior system, by the time you get to Team GP, we are picking from a tiny talent pool mm-hmm. in terms of the overall sportsmen, sportswomen of the country. And we are in the top tier. So that's a fantastic achievement, mm-hmm. given that we are a tiny minority sport. I mean, even England won a Cricket World Cup this summer. And yet still it didn't quite make the coverage, did it, that football got no. when England got to the semifinals. No. So if you think cricket is probably the second sport in this country behind football and it gets dwarfed by football, ice hockey is way, way, way back from that in terms of its size and appeal. Yeah, and, I, and I think... I can think of a couple of things over the last year, ice hockey related. One of them being not only Team GB getting to Division A, but staying in Division A as well. Compare that to the coverage of uh, Petacek playing Mm. in Guildford. Well, yeah, I mean, that's ludicrous, isn't it? Like, no disrespect to Petacek, but your national team has got to the very, very highest level they can. Mm. In the sport. I mean, like, you know, you're just a step away from the Olympics now. Let's not forget that. You're a step away. Yeah, we could feature at the Olympics, right? We're a step away from that. And it got what? Tiny, tiny coverage. And yet Petr Cech plays an NIHL2 game. And this is mainstream media covered. I mean, it was the the front page of the BBC Sport website. Um, You know, the the 900 fans when, when normally there's... 40, 50 fans mm. that go. That that shows what the media can do in terms of coverage of your sport. Yeah. And that's where the media, I think, need to step up and help sport 
because, you know, minority sports like ice hockey get very little media coverage. And, and in fact, it's only through things like what we're doing here with Bees TV that it's recognised visually. And, yeah. that, and that's, a, that's a problem when we've got a, a national team that in, what would it be, 2022? Yeah. Could be representing at the Olympics. Mm. What, what an achievement that would be. Well, I mean, you say that. If you go back, uh, I can't remember how long ago, it stopped now, but Channel 5 used to show NIHL coverage. They had, uh, Channel 5 would show NIHL coverage and they would also mention like British teams as well in the intervals. Like, yeah. you know, this weekend there are these fixtures. Yeah. And that's gone from the television now, though. So, yeah, it is basically things like Bees Radio Network and the podcast, Bees TV, mm-hmm. and, of course, other teams as well doing their bit as well. That is what it is that's keeping ice hockey in the position it's currently in because it just doesn't get the mainstream media coverage. It's incredibly difficult to get ice hockey covered on the BBC Sport website, mm-hmm. on um, Sky Sports, uh, and indeed on the, the national television, you know, except when Petr Cech's involved. Yeah. Uh, if every team could sign their own Petr Cech, then uh, maybe ice hockey would be a majority sport. And, you know, we have got uh, coverage of the elite league. Um, it's mostly on free sports, I believe, isn't it? Which, yeah. which um, is not a completely free-to-air channel, but you still need to have Sky mm. um, to get free sports. Um, so again, it's very difficult to then get people talking about ice hockey. Um, and actually ice hockey now has lost the tag. You know, we were talking about this a few minutes ago that, that ice hockey doesn't have this tag of, of, you know, I went to an ice, you know, I went to a fight and an ice hockey match broke yeah. out. You know, you, everyone would hear that yeah. years and years ago. You don't hear that anymore because it, it's not that sort of game anymore. No. Um, but you've got to be able to increase the presence of, of ice hockey, you know, particularly, as you say, we're, we're a couple of years away from the Olympics where we could be featuring and we need to get people through the doors. You know, not only do we need the NIHL to be that step up league to the elite league, mm. but we need to get people three, four, five years old through the doors to say, this is a sport that I want to try playing. Well, yeah. We've got to start, you know, you've got to continue to bring the um you know the future stars through yeah um attendances probably not as high as they used to be um over the last few years and that's difficult as well but i mean you know i remember i i used to play cricket and i remember watching ian botham 1981 and the late bob willis as well and i thought that's what i want to do you know i want to hit the ball hard like ian botham does and i want to bowl fast like bob willis does that's what i want to do and as you say, I think it's important that we get the uh, the younger kids in. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying anybody should be forced into it, but we get them in and we get them exposed to it. And then they could perhaps go home and say, look, mum, dad, that's what I want to do. I want to play ice hockey. And we are lucky because we do have the very active Bracknell Bees school program. We have the communities mm-hmm. program, the groups program. Uh, we have the first shift ice hockey academy as well. So, you know, Things are set up well here in Bracknell for that to happen, for there to be um, a pathway. Let's be yeah. honest, a pathway. You've got your your very, very first shift program as well, and you can make your way up through that and then into the junior club, 
on through that. Bang, 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 bang. If you're good enough, you get up to the Hornets. And then obviously, if you're good enough to get past the Hornets, you get Doug Shepard ringing you up. You want to come out and train with us, play with us. And there you go. Mm-hmm. We're very lucky, I think, in Bracknell in that we do have that excellent um, outreach program to bring the yep. kids to the hive. Even if they don't play, they can come watch it and yep. then maybe they'll think, oh, do you know what? I want to play that. Mm-hmm. But we have the way in as well through the the first shift program and the Bees Academy, which is brilliant. I guess, you know, that's probably, without being arrogant, the envy of a lot of other teams as well. I'm because sure it is, yeah. Every team now... You know, being a minority sport, ice hockey doesn't have, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds to throw away in players' salaries. No. But every team is therefore reliant on producing a pool of talent that they can call from. And obviously over the years, like, you know, we're seeing players now like Zach Milton, like Josh Ely Newman, uh, Mm. like Luke Jackson, who've done the hard yards in the junior programme, getting their reward. And I think that's important as well, is that as NIHL national now, we have something for those young players to come and watch, to get inspired by, and then to inspire to go through your junior career and play for your local team. Whether that be the Bracknell Bees, whether it be the Guildford Flames, whether it be the Basingstoke Bison, the Swindon Wildcats or anyone, you know, wherever you are listening to this from, if you are a young kid, go give the sport a try because maybe one day you will pull on the black, white and gold of the Bracknell Bees, you know, in 15 years time. One thing that I wanted to bring up as well that that I've noticed since returning, um, I've probably been... It is worth saying, just let me interrupt you for a second. Richard did used to be the scorer in Slough. Yes. And uh, Richard's last game that he watched, his last competitive game, was the Slough Jets versus Swindon Wildcats in 2014 before returning this year. So that's where he's been. He's not been locked up or anything no, like that. He's a law-abiding like, chap. I, yeah, I'd like to what put on record, was, I've not been locked up. What Thank he meant Mark. was while he was away from the sport. Yes, Carry while, on while, that, while I was away from the sport, yes. Um, I've noticed how many siblings there are now playing together. Oh, yeah. um, I think pretty much every team in the IHL has got at least one set of brothers or siblings playing yeah. um, well, you look how with many each other. Got. Exactly. The beds. Yeah. Uh, and we've got Steads. Uh, the Steads yeah. as well, you know. Um, it, 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 you know, and then also not only the teams that have, I mean, the Phantoms have had the Ferraras for a long time. They have, they? yeah, they have. But also, there's the rivalry, isn't there, between our two opponents this weekend, Peterborough mm-hmm. and Swindon, who both have a Mar brother exactly. in net, and exactly. they will obviously play against each other. Yep. Imagine being the parents, though. Which one do Which you Which one do you support? Yeah. yeah. You'd hope oh, for good a... save, son. Ah, oh, good save, son. I suppose you'd hope for a draw, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, um, you would in Peterborough, yes. <laughs> you would do, yes. Um, that's something that I've really noticed, and, and that's really good to see, but it's also concerning because, to me, that means that the, the pool of players is shrinking slightly as well. If you are having brothers that are coming through at the same time, you know, it, it, it's it's a great thing to see, but mm. also you have to, you know, I have to think sometimes. You know, wow, that seems that seems so strange now because a few years ago, as you said, apart from perhaps the exception of Peterborough, who had, no, the, you the, had Ferraris, the Greener brothers that played together. I suppose you did. The yes, the Galaxy brothers would have grown up playing together, mm. and then they separated. They did, yeah. Bracknell. Um, so yeah, like there have been brothers. There have been. They, they have, have been. been in the past. They, they have but, been in the past. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's certainly, I think, you know, we've got two bro- two sets of brothers. Yes. 
in our lineup. That's not bad, is it? It's like not bad going, two, is it? Two separate sets of brothers. And then, I mean, you know, I think it's probably a, there's a bit of brothery, brotherly rivalry there. I'm sure there, there like, is. You know, the Watt brothers would have had brotherly rivalry. Mm-hmm. The Greener brothers certainly did. Probably the Stead brothers as well do. And the two Baird brothers as well, Brendan and Joe, probably have a bit of rivalry. And that's probably been there all through. I mean, obviously, there is a little bit of an age difference between Joe and Brendan. But, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the difference between Ryan and Nicky Watt, Adam and Joe Greener, Mark and James Galazzi. There must have been a bit of rivalry, though, you know, as they're growing up, like, I want to be better than my brother. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, I think the Watt brothers had quite a friendly rivalry on the ice, didn't they? You know, they always played each other with respect, Mm. but they always played hard against each other. And they spent a lot of their careers on opposing teams, didn't they? It wasn't often that they played on the same team. I think, do we have them play at Slough together or...? don't think they played at South together. I know we've no. had both of them play there, but I don't yeah. think at the same time. Uh, I know they've, they've certainly played for one team together. Was it Swindon? I think it might have been Swindon because yeah. Ryan had to wear 94. We'll have to check that on paper. Yes. Uh, Ryan had to wear 94, I remember, yeah. because obviously they couldn't both wear 49. No, 49A, uh, 49B. <laughs> um, but they played a very friendly rivalry, but they always played hard against each other, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Um, I suppose it's now that you're seeing them a lot playing on the same teams. Yeah. Aren't you? And, it, and it's showing mm. really that that people are staying quite close to to home, aren't they? To the team that well, they would have grown up. You want up. to play for your local team. You do, you? yeah. You know, and I think that's great because we're getting brothers come through and do that. I have to say, like you know, we've slightly digressed here. Haven't we have, we? haven't we? We did have a, a list of topics we were going to discuss, and we've slightly digressed now into what's going on with ice hockey and how to get into it. One thing I'm going to ask you, Richard, before we change the topic. NIHL National, you last watched ice hockey as an EPL uh, scorer. In fact, Slough's second most popular signing of the 2013-14 season. Thank you, Mark. And you last watched ice hockey with four imports. Yes. What do you make of the two imports? And do you think there is the scope to go one more and say, let's have three, subject to that not causing instability issues within the clubs and the league? I'd like to think that they could push to one more import. Um Correct me if I'm wrong, NIHL, uh, NIHL 1 is also two imports as well. So I think what you need to do is you need to, we spoke about it earlier, of creating those stepping stones. Yeah. And, and I think you need to be able to, to differentiate between leagues mm. because there needs to be that room to step and that room to grow. Yeah. But also that room to step down as well to perhaps a slightly lower intensity, lower uh, harshness of schedule. Um, as Antonov has done, yeah, um, you know he's he's stepped down for for very good reasons. Yeah, you can't knock um, the reasons. Ab- absolutely not. But what you what what I think you have to do is you have to differentiate between leagues. It is a different league, and NHL National is a much more heavy and punishing schedule. You know the, these guys are playing fifty odd games a season, two games every weekend, pretty much mm. without fail, and that takes its toll. On, on your body, on your fitness, and on your ability outside of the sport yeah. as well. Um, I think three import hockey wouldn't be a concern for me at all. Um, if anything, what you need to do is you need to differentiate that you've got that senior team yeah. that, that's playing three import hockey. You then have the IHL one, which is playing two import hockey. And it gives that extra stepping stone, doesn't it? And, and actually to say that NIHL National 
is the league that is just below the elite league, but people can make the, you, you want people to make the step. The differentiation. You don't want well, people yeah. to have to jump too far mm. because if you make them jump too far, the chances are that they'll go from being a superstar in IHL national to, to bench warming yeah. in the elite league. And British players have done that and have stepped back away immediately because they've said, I've not enjoyed the fact that I'm not getting ice time. I'm not getting minutes. I think bring another import in. Now we have, do you know what? I mean, I, I've said that all along. Mm. Uh, I've said that, you know, this should have been a, a three import league. I understand why it's two to make, you know, sure it's sustainable first. I think there should be an ultimate goal to bring in another import and go up to three. And then I would say that you allow two on the ice at any one time. The obvious decision then would be import netminders, yes or oh. no. That'll then be the obvious decision if you allow two on. Because at the moment, yeah, you can sign an import goaltender, but as he's on the ice, there's no point in signing a second import. No. So you can do it. So like, obviously I would say three imports, two on the ice at any one time. And then obviously you have the decision of import goalie or not. So that would be my view. But we have slightly digressed, we as I say. Um, let's look. We've done a review of the season. Let's preview the run into the playoffs because we have got this weekend coming up as well that we'll talk about in a moment. But the, the run up to the playoffs, though, after the Christmas turnaround, that intensity just like notches up a little bit, doesn't it? As teams jostle for playoff position. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, there is a very defined little pack at the top, isn't there? But there even is. so, Telford have kind of broken away. I know Swindon have a game in hand, but Telford have kind of broken away at the top, haven't they? I think Telford have got a, is it a five-point cushion, I think they've got. Mm. Something like a five-point yeah. cushion now. So, you know, that that's quite easily changeable. Um, yeah. um, something we are seeing this year, and um, will make it really exciting for the run into the playoffs, I'm trying to keep on topic here, is the, um, the fact that, most, in fact, every team I think has the ability to beat each other. You know, Leeds last weekend, three points against Basingstoke. That's yeah. a bottom place team against a, a team that's in the top half of the table. Milton Keynes have started to take points off everyone. Bracknell have taken points off a lot of teams over the last few weeks, mm -hmm. and run and and the teams that they haven't taken points off a lot of the time they've run them very close. Um, and this weekend, you know, I'm, I'm expecting two more close games. Um, so I think the run into the playoffs is going to be really interesting because you've got the, the pool at the top that I think will close. I don't think Telford have, have run away with the league. And, and, no. I, and I think that if anything, it will inspire Swindon and I think it's Peterborough in the third to, yep. to go up, uh, you know, to go off and catch them. Mm. Um, but towards Hot the... chocolates all around. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, towards the the um, the lower end of the league, and, and and particularly that battle for sort of eighth place, there's a lot of teams that are going to be a little bit worried around that time. That you know, a, a good weekend or a bad weekend, and that's all it could take. Yeah, could be the difference between getting playoff hockey and hitting the golf course early. Well, yeah, indeed. Um, but what do you think for the bees then? Like, you know, uh, obviously the table's going to be very, very tight, I think, both at the top and at the bottom. Uh, but what do you think for the Bees, though? You know, because one player we've not mentioned when we've mentioned the additions is Callie Robertson. Fantastic start he's had yeah. as well. Um, and obviously Doug has brought in uh, Dominic Goodbye. Mm -hmm. He's brought in Josh Ely Newman. He's brought in Callie Robertson. 
and they have kind of sparked something in the bees. Now, okay, didn't go to plan at the weekend, not a single point. No. Tough one, that one. But we're back on the, uh, Saturday against the Peterborough Phantoms in Peterborough. We're back on Sunday against the Swindon Wildcats. Where do you see the running going for the bees? Are they going to go from strength to strength here? Because obviously there is still an opportunity for any team in the league to bring in or to release a player. We haven't reached the signing deadline yet. There is still an opportunity and any or all of the teams may change their playing personnel between now and the signing deadline. But with the the nucleus that Doug has got together now, where do you see the season going from here? I think the bees have have got pretty much where I, I think they're pretty much where they need to be. I think they are starting to score quite freely and quite heavily now. Um, the addition, as you say, of, of Robertson, who we haven't mentioned, uh, goodbye, Ely Newman, and just the players around them. I think they are starting to score more freely now. Um, my prediction is that the bees will continue to uh, climb table. I think they will start eating to the gap of, of a team like Sheffield, who are not a million miles away, Basingstoke also, who are not a million miles away either. And as you said, you know, it only takes one or two weekends of, of very good or very poor form for the table to get very, very tight and very, very congested. So I think if the bees, after the Christmas period, perhaps can go on a, a good run um, into the new year, I don't see any reason why they can't continue to climb up the table. Not only just, you know, scrape the playoffs, but secure a playoff spot and go into the playoffs as a team, you know, everything's reset at the playoffs, isn't it? You know, you've not got the 50-odd games behind you. You're starting from scratch again. And those are the most dangerous games because it's over a weekend. It's over 60 minutes. It's down to yeah. one game. That it's down is to where one, one period. shift can absolutely end your season. Yeah. You one know. bad shift. You concede a bad goal. You lose momentum. Not going to come back for it no. over 120 minutes. Uh, and that's the playoffs gone. Mm. And... Every hockey player, you know, the, obviously the league is, is the ultimate endurance test, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose o- over a season. But every hockey player goes wanting to win the playoffs, go yeah. on that playoff run. And I, I think the bees could be dangerous come playoff time. Richard, a spark debate here. Tweet at Bees Ice Hockey, which is more important to you, the <laughs> league or the playoffs? I know which one mine is. I'm going with the league yeah. because you have to win a great number of games to win it. I think certainly if you look at the NHL, Stanley Cup is a massive endurance test. You've got rounds of seven, you do. rounds of best of seven games just to get to your conference final before yeah. you even then get onto the Stanley Cup final here. Things are slightly different. Don't get me wrong. You have to play well to win the playoffs. And I'm pleased with the new format because before it was absolute rubbish. You could win three games and lift a trophy. What sort of a trophy is that? Um, but... Yeah, I agree with you, though. I think this Bees team, we're seeing good signs. We're seeing very, very good signs because things are starting to come together now. Roman Malinik is, you know, he is an amazing import. Dominic Gabay is an amazing import. We've got two brilliant imports now. Adam Goss started this season as a, well, ended last season as a backup goaltender. He's now growing into the starter's role as well. So he's going to get better and better the more chance he gets. Should anything happen to Adam Goss, we have Danny Milton, mm-hmm. who can more than happily hold his own in net in NIHL National. We have a good squad of forwards. We had a good squad. We have a good squad of defence. 
things are coming together nicely here in Bracknell. And I think that the Bees will spend 2020 climbing that table Mm -hmm. and securing not just the bottom playoff position, but a decent playoff position as well. And then obviously it's who do you match up against? That's always the interesting one, isn't it? And, And teams will, getting towards the end of the season, will start to look for who they're going to be potentially playing as, as then their playoff opponents. And that, for me, is when the intensity really starts to step up, doesn't mm. it? You get into that first weekend of playoff hockey, you, can, you feel the difference. What you I will feel. say is, you know, like you say there, and I said it as well, you jostle for kind of position, don't you? Like, oh, no, if we finish here, we'll match them. And if mm. we finish there, we'll match them. And I'd rather finish here and match them. But you're going to have to win the tough, uh, the tough series to get into the final anyway you are, so at yeah. some point in time. Obviously, I guess you try and like to have the easier rounds first, yeah. uh, but you're going to have to win the tough things to get to, the, uh, to, get to Coventry and mm-hmm. play the, uh, the finals weekend. Now, yeah. speaking of final weekend, final weekend before Christmas of action for the TSI World Bracknell Bees, after a weekend away, it is Peterborough away on Saturday, 7 p.m. face-off, 2-2 in that season series. Uh, season, I can't even say it now. Season series, that's what I was trying to say so far. What are you thinking about Saturday? I think we'll come away with a win. I think we've, uh, I think we've played well against Peterborough. and yeah. I, I They think, do have three of the top 10 point scorers in the league. Alice Padalek leading mm-hmm. them. Uh, there was talk over the summer that Alice Padalek had announced his retirement. If he's announced his retirement, I think he's the eighth top point scorer in the league. That's not bad, is That's it? That's not bad for being retired, is it? No, it's not bad um, at all. No, but but I do think that I think we'll come out strong on Saturday, um, and I think I'm not I'm not going to say either game is easy because because neither it's game not, no. neither game there again, is no easy game easy. in this league, which is good no, I think no. for the spectators' point of view. No, uh, but I, I think on Saturday I think we'll come out hard, um, and I think. We'll want to overturn the last weekend, get the weekend off to a good start and get the positivity going for what should be quite a busy, intensive game on Sunday. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday, to be honest. Sunday is the Swindon Wildcats. They will be at the Hive and that is our final game before Christmas. It's a 5.30 face-off. It's a school zone game. There's Christmas jumpers, there's buzz, there's carol singers, there's a national anthem singer. There's virtually nothing that's not happening on Sunday. So if you're uh, thinking oh, I don't know whether I'll go on Sunday or not. Forget that. Get down there. 5.30. Get your tickets. 01344-789-000. But obviously, Sunday we will play against the Swindon Wildcats, the final game before Christmas. One thing I will say is, like last weekend, Telford and Hull, two tough tests. The Bees will have two tough tests, and they're going to need to have full tanks to hit the ice running on Sunday because we know how dangerous Swindon can be. Thomas Malasinski, Second point scorer in the league, just behind Hull's Jason Hewitt at the moment. Dangerous lines they have, yeah. the uh, the Swindon Wildcats. They've got good, solid net minding as well in Rennie Mar. So we're going to have to, I guess, use quite a lot of uh, energy on Saturday because that's not going to be an easy game. But then we also have to hold some back for Sunday because Swindon won't be an easy challenge either. But I think they are both games that you will go into thinking, We've got a good chance here. At least a good chance. And if not saying, we can go out and win this and we should go oh, yeah, out and I win think, this. I think this could be a four-point weekend. I genuinely do think this could be a, a four-point weekend. 
And I think that would also be a massive reward for Doug, Stuart Mogg and the entire team. If they could get a four point weekend just before Christmas, because they've strived so hard and there's been a, a few three point weekends and sadly a few that have ended two point weekends with heartbreak as well. I think this could be a four-point weekend. Peterborough are not unbeatable. Swindon are not unbeatable. And it's just about how we come out and how we put last week behind us. And we have to, because we have, I'll be honest, we have had the occasional start where we've just coasted out and Mm -hmm. coasted into the game. And we're like, ah, we're too behind. We need to come out. We need to hit the ice hard on both nights. And we need to go out there gunning for that win from the first drop of the puck. I think that's very important, but I do think this is an opportunity to head into Christmas and reward all the loyal Bees fans as well for their support so far this season with four points. It would be lovely, wouldn't it, to get four points, four-point weekend just before Christmas and get that four points on home ice yeah. as well against uh, opposition. Well, we can only get two on home ice, Richard, yes. as indeed yes. I thought. yes. Um, but uh, to collect points three and four of the weekend Thank you. On, on home ice against two really tough opponents. Um, and like you say, um, no game is an easy game, but these two games are quite difficult. Um, and I think that to, to get four points this weekend would be a really, really good momentum kickstarter just before Christmas. And, and really, again, send the message to the league to say, look, for the second half of the season, you don't want Bratnell to come to your rink. And actually, we don't want to go to Bratnell because every game we're going to have to fight 100% for. Yeah. yeah. So the last home game then before Christmas is this Sunday, 5.30. It is an AVSS school zone game. There'll be there'll be buzz there. There'll be, as I say, carol singers. There's a national anthem singer. And there's a Christmas jumper competition. Richard, I know like you and I are probably a little bit too old to enter the school zone Christmas jumper competition, but will you be gracing us on Sunday in your Christmas jumper? I will wear a Christmas jumper, of Thank course. Thank you so much. Of course. Yes. Well, I, I will, of course, I will wear mine too, Good. I think, on uh, Sunday. And as far as I know, Graham has a light-up flashing Christmas jumper. Oh, I've got one of those wearing, as well. Have you? Yes. Oh, I feel left yeah. out now. Mine doesn't well, light I'll have to go out. and buy one before, uh, before the weekend. Okay, I may have to think about that. (laughs) So uh, the uh, TSI World Bracknell Bees in Peterborough, 7 o'clock Saturday night. There will be a live stream of that. Check gophantoms.com. If you're not going, you can grab their live stream. On Sunday, there will be a live stream of the home game. That's on Bees Radio Network. It is 5.30 against the Swindon Wildcats. Tickets are available on 01344789000. It's a school zone game, so if you are coming from Swindon, please remember to book, or if you know someone that's coming from Swindon, please remember to book the away section as Block 4 this weekend. Block 4 will be the away weekend. Now, I was hoping to have further information about our Christmas live stream podcast as well, which Graham and I have committed to, but unfortunately, Mr. Bell is still not well, so uh, we will. Have further information on that on uh, bracknellbees.com. If you'd like to follow the bees on Facebook or Twitter, Bees Ice Hockey. If you're on Instagram, The Bracknell Bees. Richard, before we wrap up, do you have anything you'd like to add? I think we've covered everything. You're not even going to do a Christmas greeting. How how Grinch of you. <laughs> I'll say happy Christmas to, uh, to all of our, our listeners. And, uh, and, and thank you very much for, uh, for joining uh, and for listening week in, week out. 
Indeed. Uh, on behalf of everyone at uh, the Bracknell Bees and indeed on uh, Bees Radio Network as well, thank you so much for your support to our patrons. I thank you very much. If I was wearing a hat, I would tip it to you. But I thank you so much for your support on uh, Bees Radio Network. The fantastic listening figures we get as well on the live streams on the game. Thank you so much for listening. It does mean a lot. And we're glad that we can provide this service for you. So as this is our last podcast before Christmas, I'll take this opportunity to wish you a Merry Christmas. We'll see you, of course, at the Hive on Sunday at 5.30. You can't make it to the Hive. We'll hear, well, you'll hear us uh, online on bracknellbees.com on Bees Radio Network. That'll do from Richard. Thank you very much, Richard, for your guest appearance this evening. Thank you very much for inviting me. And from me as well, a very happy Christmas. On behalf of Graham Bell, a happy Christmas. And we will finish with these important messages. It's Doug Shepard, head coach of the Bracknell Bees. Many thanks for your support this season. Happy holidays as we all look forward to a successful 2020. Hi, everyone. This is uh, Stuart. Um, on behalf of all the directors, uh, it's to wish everyone a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I hope everyone stays safe and uh, comes back fit and well. Christmas is all about family, and uh, we're extremely lucky to have a massive family of volunteers and friends and everybody at the club. And thank you, everyone, for your fantastic support uh, and 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 working with us all this year. Hi, Bees fans. It's Stuart Mock here, captain of the Bratnell Bees. I just wanted to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend at our game against Swindon, wearing some absolutely fantastic Christmas jumpers. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com